Okay, this is a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but please stay with me. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years, and anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. That company is Geico. Go to geico.com today. Sorry for all the numbers. And in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, I'm out of time. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Hello. Good to see you. Thank you. Excellent introduction. Hello, everybody. Can you believe we're here again, one year later? I'm so excited to be here. I'm very confused about the boat and the valet circle. When did that start? You drive it up, did he get a ticket? What was that? Anyway, thank you so much for coming today and spending an hour with us. Thank you for buying a ticket. It goes, all the proceeds go to charity. I get nothing. It's very nice of you. You've done your good deeds, so go out and do some drunk driving tonight. Go have some fun, and it'll even out. Anyway, we have a, uh, a fantastic hour planned for you. As you know, um, Comedians in Cars getting coffee uh, is uh, Netflix hit show. It's been a hit show on Crackle. I've had a front row seat uh, since 2012 to Jerry creating the show and putting it together, and it's really been an incredible thing to witness. Um, you know, you, you might think, well, Spike, it's just uh, comedians and cars getting coffee. No, it's not. Making a TV show is a very um, gut-wrenching, insecure process. Um, I have a lot of great questions for Jerry. I thought before we brought him out, um, we would show the trailer for the new season, which is up on the monitors, and then we'll bring out Jerry. Let's have a look. This year, practically everyone is coming out with brand new, even longer, more complicated shows. Don't you have enough to keep track of? Without trying to remember, who's a wizard? Who's a machine? Who's a zombie? We comedians in cars getting coffee think your time is valuable. Our average episode is only 14 minutes long. Unlike our competitors, we're not trying to take you away from all you have to do. We think your life is pretty good. And we want you to get back to it. We think one car, <laughs> two comedians, and some coffee is plenty. We like to think short. In fact, here's our entire new season in 93 seconds. It's the automotive equivalent of a man who colors his eyebrows. This is badass. Oh my God. I'm gonna go wherever he wants to go. This is the underestimated ordinary world. You this is the peak you. of human existence. <laughs> I'd rather be a brain in a jar talking. Their bodies are friends. You're like a toy person. I'm a pick and stick guy. Couple of real know-it-all. <laughs> I can watch any sport when it's do or die. Might enjoy the Christians versus the Lions. That's, it's like girls in high school. Gyrating, people like new, naked twister. Yeah. A great idea. Yeah. Walk into the lunchroom and they look at you and they go, no. Whoa, that car just blew up. What are you, what are you, what? Let's do it. Whatever you're saying to me. Your father was a drunk, your mother yeah. drove off the cliff. I don't care. Just go and laugh. <laughs> so what about the Sultan of Brunei? That was made up. It was an aha moment for me personally. You're not really going to say aha moment, are you? 
What is the point of this? Lasagna! Ricky! Really? No. Killers! And I'll tell you what, that's why I developed this show. I was in a coma for 10 days. But not the last 10 days. Really? Wow, wow, wow. Oh, okay. Never seen anyone drink so much coffee. It doesn't affect you. Of course, it affects me. Means <laughs> and cars getting coffee. No royalty. No robots. No costumes. Oh. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Seinfeld. Thank you. Hello, sir. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? So I am on the left again. You're on the left again. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to switch? <laughs> no, your mic's on the right side. I'll move mine to this side. All right. And then, That's right. So people can hear. Out. Now, now Good I, afternoon, folks. Thanks for being here. I know uh, Letterman asked you this question, but I'm going to give you a second chance to respond. You didn't just create this show so you could write off your car collection, did you? No. <laughs> it, first of all, it's not my car collection. We borrow all those cars from clubs and individuals and uh, people that are just nice enough to lend them. Um, that just came up at breakfast. Yeah, so everybody thinks those are my cars. I, I om- almost have exclusively rear-engine Cars, right? And those are that's just uh, those are a lot of cars. You know, when you grow up, that you think, gee, I wonder what that's like. And uh, you have a, a car show that you've done, uh, mm-hmm. Car Matchmaker, and, and it's really fun to be able to say, hey, get me a Testarossa. I would love to see what a Testarossa <laughs> is like. And then you get to drive it for two days and and experience it without the uh, the in and the out of all the money. That's right. Well, th- thanks for coming here. How many do you do you do seasons on this show? I know you've yes, done seventy-two we, episodes, right? Right, we've made seventy something so far, and wow. now I'm doing twelve a year, uh, exclusively on Netflix. Wow, um, where did the inspiration for the show come from? Because I have I have some theories before you answer that question. Okay, I think back to when we were working on the show, yeah. uh, on your show Seinfeld, and you, you know you had that writers' room on the right side. And then you had that little sliver office yes. right off there. I had an extra overflow office. Yeah, and it was yeah. tiny, and I liked it. I remember coming to the show and going, this is Jerry's office, like a hallway. It's very small, but yeah. I liked the humility of that. But it was all the car stuff. It yeah. was car magazines yeah. on the counter. And Jerry would go from writing, and then we got, a, we got a lunch break, and he would go in and he'd start going through Hemmings and <laughs> picking out cars. And my, my theory on the show is you just knocked the wall down between the offices yes. and said, I'm going to put it all together in one big package. The, the real concept of the show is being a comedian is two things. One is uh, there's a show you do at night for an audience that mm-hmm. you get paid for, but th- most of your life is hanging out during the day with other comedians waiting for night to do your show. <laughs> and I didn't know about any of this, you know, when I began uh, 42 years ago. 42 years I've been a stand up comedian. <laughs> But this part of the life, which is just the hangout with the other comedians, is quite entertaining and fun, and um, it's a big part of it. So you have your set, but then you hang out with these other people that are like yourself. They're a little uh, socially awkward. They have this comedic uh, aspect of their brain that they cannot turn off. Mm -hmm. 
and have difficulty having normal conversations with people because we just want to say foul, obnoxious, hilarious things to make each other laugh. <laughs> so I thought, what if I tried to show people this side of the comedian life? Yes. And I'm a car guy, and I started drinking coffee about uh, 10 years ago <laughs> when I didn't have time. When I had kids, I didn't have time to meet people for meals. Mm -hmm. I could meet them for coffee. And um, Jay Leno famously had his first cup of coffee in your show. Yes, he did. Yeah. He hated it. <laughs> he doesn't like hot liquids, he said. Right, right. And uh, what, what is So it? that was the idea of the show. This is the other part of being a comedian that's fun. Right. It, um, uh, what is it about comedians liking cars? What, why, you know, Leno, Corolla, you, what is it? Letterman. Is there a connection? No. None. <laughs> no. All right. Because most of the comedians off. I talk to have no interest right. in the car at all. Right. You and I share this thing. We know a couple of other comedy people that do, but that's about it. That's it. There's about five of us. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought that we were kind of fun experts, that comedy people are fun experts, and cars are fun. Yes. Cars are really the most sophisticated adult toys mm -hmm. that you can use without having to really talk to anybody. Right. You know, like that stupid boat out there. <laughs> I mean... The boat. <laughs> the boat. Yeah, I'm sure it's a great boat. If you want to go out on that boat, do you know how much BS you got to go through? You got to call the guy and take the covers off and what's the weather and... What are the conditions and getting it out of the slip and which way is the current? And you came up on one of those Cirrus planes, those cool little yeah, yeah. private planes right. that people drive. I'm sure that's a lot of fun. How much conversation is it till we're actually driving the damn thing? Yeah, no, there's a checklist on the yeah, screen. Yes, a comes checklist. Up all, and they have to keep checking and waiting, and the plane it goes up and down. And who invented the checklist, Mike? I'm guessing the Germans. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was a great laugh. Congratulations. You're, you're yeah, laughing. Look at our awesome. friends over there enjoying yeah. that one. Um, it was uh, Orville Wright. Orville Wright. Orville Wright. Right. Because he quickly realized that we have to remember to do certain things before every flight, and it got hard to remember. Mm -hmm. So they made up the checklist. Anyway, I think the fun of cars is... You want to go for a ride? It's in your garage. In five minutes, you're rolling. You're out there, and you're in that wind, and the engine's on, and you're moving, and, and you can go see a friend, or you can get a cup of coffee. And it's, it's a, it can be very sophisticated, very high-end type experience, but it happens quickly. From, I like, I have a garage that's right off my kitchen in my house, and it's my favorite thing. Like, I stand in the kitchen, talking with the wife and the kids, and I go, I'll be back in a few minutes. And in five minutes, I am in a speedster flying down the road, and nobody even knows it. You know, I, I was coming out for breakfast, and I saw a guy on the boat this morning, and I realized he's probably a genius. He's not spending a grand a night at this place. Right. Sleeping he's sleeping in the boat for 18 bucks a night in the valet circle. When it comes to technology, the difference between consumer-grade and business-class PCs is just as marked up as it is for commercial flights, and for many, the upgrade is worthwhile. Here's the difference a business-class device can make for you. 
Many modern consumer-grade processors and mobile operating systems prioritize battery life over processing power. Business class PCs often offer both better performance and longer battery life, allowing users to work faster and longer while on the road. Every HP Elite PC comes with HP Elite Premium support, providing 24-7, 365 dedicated service from U.S.-based specialists who are dedicated solely to supporting HP Elite products. Business class devices help their users take advantage of their advanced features with free bundled software that is not available or requires an additional purchase on consumer-grade PCs. For example, HP Elite Family products come with security software and features that protect at the data, identity, and device levels to help keep proprietary data safe. To create images that have the impact you want as a graphic designer, you need a laptop with high computing power that can handle multiple functions. And when you're searching for a good laptop for graphic design, you have every right to be picky. HP has a go-to choice for graphic designers for years because our powerful laptops combine serious performance with a streamlined user experience. We strive to serve the pros, the beginners, and everyone in between. HP Elite PCs are designed to pass MIL-STD testing for and are tested for 115,000 hours to HP's own testing standards to help ensure durability. New HP EliteBook 700 series notebooks are also made with Corning Gorilla Glass and a magnesium alloy chassis that's 18 times stronger than plastic. And right now... Get an extra 10% off select 8th generation Intel-powered HP PCs with Spike, that's me, until September 17th. When you go to hp.com forward slash Spike, that's hp.com forward slash S-P-I-K-E, you're using promo code Spike. Listening to Spike's Car Radio. Um, you know, you've created a, a, a lot of shows in, in your life, and and I have too. And I don't think, and I before I was in television, I didn't realize how complex that was. Mm-hmm. Um, take us through what looks like a very simple formula. Tell us how you came up with it, because I I, I, I already I, told you that. Well, I, I want I want to know from like where we're going to sell this, where we're going to put it, Didn't how know. we're, we're going to shoot it, Didn't know. who I'm going to hire to do it. Am I going to pitch know. it? I had no network? answers to any of those questions. Because what I recall was you going, I think I'm going to get my camera and start shooting comedians in cars. Right. And I don't know where this is going. Right. Right. And there were certain points where I said to you, I had made like 20 of them, and I said... I think I'm going to stop doing this. I don't even know what it is. And you said, no, just keep making it. This was like 12, 13. Yeah. When you perceived that the platforms were going to expand and content was going to be desperately needed, you'll find a place. Yeah. And you could, encouraged me at some points where I was ready to quit. Well, I think that deserves a fee, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Percentage? What you, I think this is think the we'll fee right now. Me. <laughs> this is the fee, yeah. yes. Me doing this for nothing. That's yes, absolutely. Well, I'm getting paid in uh, <laughs> pillow mints that they put on my pillow there. <clears throat> um, <laughs> let's try to get this pillow back mints. Up. Pillow, pillow, pillow. I like mints. pillow mints. Um, you know, there's a, a Kevin Meany, who's a dear friend of mine who has passed away, used to do a bit about falling asleep drunk in the uh, in a hotel mm-hmm. on the chocolates and waking up and the chocolate is smeared and calling room service I shit the bed 
Oh, he was great. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> How did he get to bed without eating him? That's what I don't understand. <clears throat> um, so you were talking about what is the process of making one of these episodes? Well, no, it was mostly about... Because I, I could see what you were doing. I, I saw that here's... This is a new kind of late-night talk show. But again, that's the creative process. We can all see what you're doing, but you couldn't see it. That's right. And I was saying, make a hundred of these. You can sell them anywhere, and it's going to be great. Right. Um, what you know? I remember you just with the car part uh, going one night down your hangar, uh, hangar nine, to see you shoot an RSK. Right. And there was a giant uh, thing hanging there, a pillowy light fixture. It was a floating uh, camera. Yes. It was like a like a like a. Uh, what do you call it? A, a helium. Right, and the whole and the it whole floated. The whole hangar looked like Area Fifty One. Yeah, technicians <laughs> and gloves, and I'm like, what are yeah. you doing here? And you were you you were reinventing how to shoot a car, and you were pulling off panels of the RSK. Those mm-hmm. are those those are the details I'm looking for. Like, how did you? What little innovations did you find in this show that that we haven't seen before in a show like that? Cause Anybody, every per- person in this room, I assume, has some interest in cars. Any car you like or don't like, we were we were breaking down uh, the McLaren that's in the uh, the valet right. park there. Any car you like or don't like, you will stand there with another person that likes or doesn't like that car, and you will just go into little aspects. You know what I like? I like the windshield. I don't like why why does that panel go up like that? So that's the fun of the car world. Right. It's breaking down a design. Who I think this guy Robert. Cumberford, who writes for Automobile and Sports Car Market, who's really old. But that, that stuff he writes, the design of his sentences, he's a, he's, he used to teach car design at the Art Center in Pasadena. He used to talk Grant Larson and all these famous guys, and he's really gotten on now. But he run, writes this wonderful column because he looks at a, a panel or an aspect of a car and explains why it works or doesn't work. So I wanted to bring that to the shooting of the car. Here's the part, like the Hoffmeister <coughs> kink on the 5 Series right, right. BMW. We've all read about that in our magazines. So go, what if we shoot it and talk about it? Mm-hmm. That might be fun for car people. I love it. Let's show another clip. Okay. Right. I want to show uh, the first clip we have here, uh, and then I have a question about it. Why don't we just run uh, Ellen DeGeneres? Hey, where's the keys? I don't know. Do you ever get nervous about people scratching your car or anything? Actually, no. you do, because my friend Nacho said he was driving with you. That's different. <laughs> the keys are not in the car. Uh, see, I told you you shouldn't leave the keys in the car. <clears throat> I didn't either. You didn't put them in your pocket? Maybe I did, but I don't I must have, but I don't have them. I swear. They are not in... It was to teach you a lesson, and you should always... I couldn't let that go longer. <laughs> if you had any balls, which you don't. I, I should have let it go really, really long. I don't think like, it was going anywhere. It's funny. Had we gone when, longer. How'd you get him out? How'd you do it? Bef- when you walked around the car. That's funny. You just you said know. it wasn't funny. No, the way you did it is funny. <laughs> what you did is not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love that clip. <laughs> Were you angry with her? No. 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 How long are you in a car shooting an episode with any anyone like Ellen DeGeneres? Is that is that a day? Is that two days? Is that no, days? no. So I, I like the show to be this, this lovely experience for the guests. I've spent my life doing talk shows. It's a bit of a pain in the ass. 
um, getting dressed, and you got to go there, and there's a cl- person with a clipboard and sign this, and here's your fruit basket, and <laughs> I have mints. yeah, the mints, yeah. and you got that. I shit the bag. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you sit in this chair, and you yeah. don't move, right? And the lights are here, and they touch you with the little makeup. It's show business. It's great. And you have four minutes to communicate, yes. not just something about your life that's funny, right. but your project that you're promoting. Right. right. So I wanted to make a show that was a pleasure for the community. You have to wear mm-hmm. anything. I'm going to come to your house. Mm-hmm. We're going to go get coffee. You want to get a donut? We'll get a donut. And I'm going to bring you back to your house. You go right back into your day. <clears throat> and so I wanted it to be a very pleasant experience for the comedian, because I know how cranky and irritable comedians well, that, are. Now, I have a question for you. How many, how many times, I've seen a lot of these shows... And how often are you actually pulling up in front of the, the, the comedian's house? Like with Zach Galifianakis, was that his house or is that a That's a house, house he used to live in. He used to a live in. A lot of people right. are nervous about their houses right, being right. on TV. So I would say half of them are not their real house. Well, you know, in this next clip I pulled, uh, this guy was not nervous about his house. You know what clip to run? Let's, let's roll this one and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> You ready? I got some stuff to do. Are these washed? (laughs) (laughs) I love that stuff. It's so great. So, I I, got to ask you, how do you execute comedy in the the Oval Office? How how much time did you have? Did you have to pitch that joke to him? I remember you and I were talking ahead of that, and I was saying instead of the apples, maybe like potato chips and and junk food. I wanted... How did that whole scene I wanted two things on the coffee table. I wanted a... Uh, a file that says top secret <laughs> and I was going to flip through that <laughs> and I wanted a copy of Mad Magazine <laughs> there you go. and uh, that did not uh, fly with the Secret Service <laughs> e- either one of those ideas and they said this is what we have there's a bowl of fruit that you can't bring anything in or take anything out you know obviously it's a bit of a tense environment yeah. but um, <clears throat> Well, who? Yeah. Well, so I came up with the uh, wash. I, I had that line planned. I would imagine you. They said, "Look, you've got thirty minutes to pull this off." I um, had an hour total an for, hour the entire, total, right? for the entire and show. That yeah, it. So and you, that was it. And so I, so I, I wanted to pull up. You know how in the front of the White House there's that big portico and it's kind of a circular driveway. So I wanted to pull up and honk <laughs> and have him walk out. And there was something going on, and some big thing was going on, and, they, and there was a bunch of press on that side of the house, and we couldn't do it. They said, well, you can do the other side where the Oval Office is. And I said, could I knock on the window of the Oval Office? And they said, yes. And that was really one of the greatest yeah. moments of my yeah. life when they said, sure. <laughs> and, and I will admit to you, there have been... a. 
That's probably the most terrified as a performer I have ever been in my life. That was going to be my next question. Yes. I Because uh, in my head, when you were sitting and talking to Obama in the little uh, deli they have at the White House. There's a little break room, yeah. I could tell both of you guys were a little nervous. Yeah. So who, and that's what I was going to ask you, who was more nervous in that situation? Oh, I think I was. But by, by, by then I was okay. It was the opening bit that Oval Office bit that you just watched, I knew I had one shot to get this, and I knew I'm probably the only comedian that anyone's ever gonna let do something like this. And as a comedian, all you want is for it to be funny. That's right, all you want. Right. And, uh, you know, in general, when you're making things, shooting things, if it doesn't work, you do it again. And we shoot it again, we try it again. And something, uh, you drop the apple, or he didn't turn at the right time, and you do it again. That's how most movies and TV shows and comedy stuff is made. And I knew this is, I'm gonna get to do this one time. And my idea was, I want it to look like two guys hanging out, and they're, they're losers. It's like a George and Jerry scene from right. the series. <laughs> and it's like, hey, I thought we were going out. What are you doing at the desk? I thought we were hanging out. So that was why I'm looking at him like, what are, you, what are you doing? Let's go. And um, Toughest room you've ever done comedy in? For sure. For sure. For sure. I was, yeah. at, you can't, I, I did a pretty good job, but you can't really tell. But I was freaking out. <laughs> so, <laughs> and yeah, just, well, I just wanted to get it right. right I wanted right. to get it right. And I was very nervous about it working. And um, but you now, were, so I walk up to the Oval Office. So I pull up in the car. And I walk up to the Oval Office, and there's where that window is, outside that window, it's all hedges. And there's no separation between the hedges. So I stand there, he's at the desk, and he's pretending to work, and I'm going, I can't get to the window. <laughs> and this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, not just for me, and I, and I really mean this, I really thought, I'm representing every comedian that's ever lived that's getting to do this. I'm the one who got to do this. And I can't get through the hedge. So No rehearsal. There's there was no, no rehearsal. There's no rehearsal. That's so I just, and you know what those, that's a boxwood hedge. You know what those things are like. So I just. I don't, I don't think we do, but sure. <laughs> you don't know that no, kind of hedge? It's just a hedge. I'm not a hedge expert, but go ahead. And, they, are, to and they, they make it, they shape it like a box. Boxwood. That's why it's called right. a boxwood. Yeah, I'll write that down. So I just pushed, I just pushed through the hedges because it was that, that's or so I go, I, I can't do it. I can't right, get to right. the window. So that's the little story of that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and that has, it probably holds the record for the amount of time in shooting an episode, right? One hour. For sure. Right. Yeah. Did that change how you shot shows moving forward? No. I mean, that's all they gave you, and obviously it's an incredible <clears throat> opportunity. Yeah. Um, my producer, it started as a joke. We were in editing, and I said, why don't we call Obama? And my producer says, I actually know some people over there because I produce the debates every year. So I know some of the... Wow. People at the White House. I go, for, let's call him for a joke and ask if he would do it. I remember uh, Bill Maher gave him a million dollars and he did your show before he right. did Bill Maher's <laughs> and he was upset about that. Right. Um, well, let's talk about cars. We're here at Pebble Beach. Right. I, ha I found this graphic on the internet. I don't know if this is going to work, but it's all the cars that you've driven with the comedians that you've driven, all 72. You want to pop that up and maybe screen up? And I thought 
if you could just scroll up, if you wanted to just pick a car, a person and a car and tell us why you picked that car. You well, just... in the early days, um, I really wasn't picking the car for the guest. As, as That kind of happened as we were doing it. Well, maybe should we go down to some later shows? Just scan toward the bottom of the graphic. Well, the there. Mercedes 280 SL for Alec Baldwin. It's like Alec Baldwin is like, he's a completely a juvenile, insane person. But this, <laughs> he, he, whenever I would see him out in New York, he's always got a sport jacket on. Yeah. He's got a suit on. Yeah. So he's got a white shirt buttoned mm -hmm. down. He like tries to look like an adult. So I thought, well, that's, that's the Mercedes 280 SL to me. Mm -hmm. It's like a sports car, but I don't want to really... I'm not going to get into a Triumph. That's like... That's for kids. <clears throat> They're not so on the nose. I know people pitch you all the time for cars. Here, take my car and use my car. Right. Suggestions. But your formula is not... I, I still haven't figured it out, to be honest with you. You asked me the other day about a car, and I didn't even want to go on record trying to guess because I still haven't figured out what that formula is relating to someone. It's just what is it about this person that you notice? Right. And every car has a personality. Every car is trying to say something to the world. Okay, so Michael Richards in that 62 VW split window cab bus that now resides at the Malibu kitchen. Um, How do you relate that bus to Michael Richards? This guy, right? Yeah. Um, I think it was, you know, Michael was one of those people who, um, it was a crazy, he's a crazy person, <clears throat> but everything we gave him to do, he could do it. Mm -hmm. Every comedic idea we had, he could execute it. And that, that VW double cab bus is like, whatever you got to haul, whatever you, if you got to move people, if you got to move a couch, if you got to go, you want to go camping, whatever you need. It could do it. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed like a very multifunctional vehicle, and he was like uh, an all-purpose comedic um, uh, genius to me. I want to show um, one of the opens, one of the car opens from this season, and then I want you to tell me how you put it together. Okay. Because I, I love this little creative process. Let's throw the VW thing clip from the Zach Galifianakis show. <laughs> <laughs> this is a VW thing in sunshine yellow with a blue steering wheel. Generally speaking, most people that bought VW things could not leave them alone. The particular crazed individual that built this car put a Subaru 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine in it with radiator and electric fans mounted behind the seats. He took absurd and went into bizarre and psychopathic. VW introduced this car to the U.S. in 1973, and they had to know it was insane. Hey, let's bring back a Jeep from Nazi Germany and call it the new thing from Volkswagen. They even used the word ridiculous in their own advertising materials. They knew it was ridiculous. Nobody does things like this anymore. Look, this is a real commercial. Does it make any sense? There was no market research. You could ask three people on the street. Hey, how would you like an updated vehicle from the Third Reich where the doors come off and the windshield falls down so you can drive down to the beach with a surfboard hanging out the back? That's how Americans live, right? But there is something fun about the thing. I got an avocado green one myself. The little screw popped down. 
the sheer inventive creativity of this particular thing is what really attracted me to it for my very special guest today, Mr. Zach Galifianakis. Well, that's the way I see you. Who is a guy that just does it the way he wants to do it. See what I mean? Someone who pursued a unique vision. When you look like I do. Of how I'm going to do things. It's hard to get a table for one at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I love that. It's really incredible. Thank you I, I very much. I think the you. way yeah. you... The alchemy of cars and comedy in that segment. There's takeaway, we're learning about the thing, and we're laughing along the way. I don't think there's anybody that does it better. Oh, now, you, thank you. You told me at one point your, your editors would throw these together in kind of a rough cut, and mm -hmm. then you would come up with the idea of the Jurassic Park thing. How did you... You well, know, the you car had a torn shirt there. So yeah, that happened when we just got mm -hmm. out. That we wanted to shoot it in some rough area because the car okay. has a rough look to it. It's kind of a Mad Max vibe about it. Right. And then when I got there, I go, "Why don't we make it look like I'm running from a Tyrannosaurus Rex?" <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> so, but th that car, you know. So wait, did you just tear your shirt up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just started ripping it up. Yeah, I just and ripped it up. Improvising that whole open. You're completely improvised, yeah. Wow. I'm and then wrote it later in the edit. Yeah. Then I right, said, I'll right. come up with some words to fit it. Wow. And, and that's how you put together every open. Mm hmm. Wow. I never write anything, I never plan anything. And it doesn't, it's, and you know, that's not how I like to do things. No, you, I know. You, you know, the, yeah, in the no, show, we were extremely meticulous in our scripting of every scene, every joke, every line. Somebody asked me last night, I was talking to uh, a, a, a filmmaker and, and they asked me how much of the Seinfeld show was improvised. I said, you can't touch one comma on that. When people came on that show, they were told by script supervisors, you don't change one comma because that's the precision of joke making generally requires mm -hmm. that. But this show, I wanted to have a looser more casual feeling, right. even though in the end it really isn't for me. I spend as much time crafting that open. That t that takes weeks right. to make that thing. The music, the right when you cut, and where do we put the commercial for the VW, and what do we say about it? And but I don't write it. I don't know why. What cars that you uh, thought you would love to drive uh, really suck? You really hate. <laughs> Which cars in the show? Really, you want to do that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> What were the ones you thought for sure, like, I've always wanted to drive one of these? Well, I've oh always God, wanted please. to drive a Ferrari Daytona, because I love how they look, and I love everything about them. Mm -hmm. But again, this is a lot of these cars that you think, gee, imagine having one of those. And then you get in it and try and go somewhere, <laughs> and it's not what it's <clears throat> for. Yeah, it's, right. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you, but you know, and then you fall in love with cars like that. This is not a car for going somewhere. It's for something else. And so, and I think there's another thing we all share. We like when we put a car in the right situation. For example, you're saying, okay, we're going to drive up to uh, 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 Nepenthe today from LA and back, mm -hmm. and, and we're just going to stop once. Then we get a Daytona. Because we're not going to be going less than 50 miles an hour all day. Mm -hmm. Then it's great. <clears throat> but I have the car. And it's in cold out. Yeah. Engine heat. Right, yeah. Right. So, I mean, you know, most of the cars I don't like. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, understand the thing, but even uh, any of these other, what have you loved that you I didn't love the loved? 288 GTO Ferrari. I go. love that yeah. car. Um, 
I like um, the 356s. I, I like um, uh, most of the English stuff is pretty rugged. Uh, you know, a Triumph TR3A is a beautiful car, but it's, also you've got to have the top down. Same with the uh, Austin Healey 3000. If you take the top down and the weather's good, you go, oh, I see why people bought these. If you think of it as a car to, mm-hmm. to do things, it's ridiculous. <clears throat> it's, you know, it's horrible. I want to show uh, one more car clip, and then we're going to take some questions for you. I want to leave some time for that. But this is uh, a Fiat Multiplia? Multipla. Multipla. One of the first, um, actually the first minivan idea from the late 50s in the Fiat. Yeah, with with Kate McKinnon. Let's show that. This is a 1962 Fiat 600 Multipla in turquoise and white trim <coughs> exterior with a white interior. Kind of a oh my God, how cute is this? It's like a drip of gelato that fell off your spoon and just drove down the street. It barely has enough power to keep going. This is a little car. My guest today is the ridiculously hilarious and very, very talented comedically, musically, SNL superstar, Kate McKinnon. She likes little cars. I like little cars, but this thing is just so little and cute, but it's big on the inside. This is actually the first kind of a minivan that ever existed, accent on the mini. It has 19 horsepower, four cylinders. It only goes 50 miles an hour and weighs 1,630 pounds. So it's a perfect car for a sunny day and two silly people to go get a cup of coffee because they've got nothing better to do. Isn't that sweet? <clears throat> now that, you like that car, right? I love I'm, that car. I watch, I watch these and I want to buy every car you talk yes. about, including the thing. Right. That advertising, just the way you talk about the little drop of gelato, I'm done. Yeah. I want it. That's, I, that was my favorite line uh, that I came up with this yeah. year. It's like really a drip amazing. of gelato that drove down the street. Now, I, I was doing a little research on the internet about uh, the show and I, and I came across this story on CNET that said you're reviewing the restaurants you go to. Yes. And I'm doing uh, Yelp Maps. reviews. Yelp yeah, reviews. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Five stars. And this is something you wrote. Enjoyed breakfast at the Omelet House in Las Vegas with Jerry Lewis on Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. Do not confuse this place with the Omelet Apartment, Omelet <laughs> Condo, or Omelet Airbnb. <laughs> Burgers are so big, I saw a muscle man pull one across the room with a chain in his teeth. <laughs> not for the squeamish four stars. You're really writing these? No. <laughs> Barry Martyr? I write them with my friend Barry, Barry Martyr. Martyr. The very talented oh, Dick awesome. comedy writer that you know well. You know what? Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans. The pair that fits perfectly and always looks great. The pair you wear out at night, at home, on the couch, at work, wherever. The pair I'm wearing right now to podcast. They're the go-to, do not underestimate their importance, pair of pants. No one knows this better than Wrangler, the authority on jeans. Using their expertise in comfort and durability and applying it to a new line of modern fits and styles, Wrangler jeans are made for the modern-day adventurers, the go-getters, folks who like to keep moving. Whether you ride a bike, a bronc, or a skateboard, or you're the type who walks the earth in search of something, these are the jeans for you. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits at a price that works for you, vintage re-releases, Wrangler 
has something for everyone. And don't forget the iconic patch in our stitched W American icons for over 70 years. Visit Wrangler.com and check out the great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear for men and women. I wear these pants. I love them. Wrangler. Denim made for the modern world. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Well, look, the show is awesome. Thank I have you. nothing but Thank admiration you. for you Thank and you respect. Very much. I really you. love it. Thank you for coming out here. We're going to take some questions before we go. If you have one, throw them out right yes, now. Yes, sir. Cars. Yeah, just so we can hear you. I know you appreciate unrestored yeah, car and the interest much. in preservation. Do you believe that the car hobby will continue to go in that direction? Do you think we're on a growth cycle for appreciating unmolested, unrestored <clears throat> cars? Do you think we're about as far as it's going to go, or do you think that's got growth left? Well, I'm not a great guy for growth cycles and uh, how to make money buying cars. <laughs> but I do think it, it, uh, when you get into cars... Uh, old cars, and you first see, hey, look, we can take an old car and restore it to like new. And you go, oh, that's really cool. And then you go, hey, I really like this car. This is a really good car. Right. And then the next thing you want to know is, I wonder what this was actually like in 1958. It wasn't like this, because we know it's been refurbished. And you get curious. Now, if you're lucky enough to come across a well-preserved car, then I think you have what I would call the complete time capsule immersion experience. When I can, I, I've been very uh, fortunate, I'm very well situated, that uh, I, I have managed to collect a lot of uh, preserved original cars. I have a 56, uh, 356 coupe, a European, that has not been restored. The smell of the carpet and the leather and the plastics and the glass and the it's, to me, it's like a cognac. It's like, this is what it smelled like. See, the, the restorers can't make it smell like 1958. So, and because they're rare, and if a car's been preserved, it could also be slash neglected. So it might not be so great to drive. So they're hard to find. They're rare. So I would say, to answer your question, yes, because they're so rare and so hard to find. And if you seek that uh, time travel experience, which I believe all classic car people do. You want to know, well, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, not as good as a modern car, but this is the way it was in 63. And people were excited about this car in 63, and I want to have that experience this Sunday morning. Um, those cars are hard to find, special, rare, and rare is going to, the value is going to go up. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that unmolested. Who are the car molesters? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was busted for car molesting. Oh, yeah, he's got to wear a bracelet and everybody in the neighborhood knows him. Keep away from your garage. Uh, Road and Track got? once did an April Fool's thing uh, that somebody had sex with a Porsche <laughs> at the New York Auto Show for an April Fool's Oh, right. Issue. I remember that. Yeah. You and I have always talked about the language in ads that always make us laugh. Like, yeah. Never driven outside of San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Uh, never smoked in. All yeah. How summer you... miles. Summer miles. Uh, yeah. It's got the good summer miles. It's like never before seen footage. Well, somebody's seen it. How did they shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a question over here. Hi, uh, Jerry. Hi. Um, are you going to make it a tradition and ask Donnie on the show? To ask... Our current president? Oh, our Well, you have to qualify as a comedian to get on the show. And Obama I mean, he's funny. got on because he did a lot of very funny comedy material at the correspondence dinners, so we uh, let him pass as a. 
he, he actually did a really good job with the comedy. So that's why I, I consented. But I don't really like having people on the show that are not comedy people. I was going to say, who did you, who's the first to move out of the comedy realm? Well, Alec Baldwin is not a stand-up comedian by profession, but I know Alec well, and I know how, what a funny conversationalist he is. You have to be a very funny conversationalist. Uh, to make the show work, because and, regular conversation actually gets boring. And after 72 shows, <laughs> you, you start running out of comedians that you like. What, Not really, what, because what, what, a lot of them I want to have back. I mean, I haven't well, had Larry David on in like four years. That's what I was going to say. What is the bar for coming back when you have a repeat guy? I have whatever I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, corner with the hat over there. There you go. Um... Uh, I think uh, most of us uh, car people have a favorite mark or some mm -hmm. some favorite uh, uh, type of vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, can you uh, enlighten us? What led you to uh, rear engineer cool? Um, what led me to that was the low, a sloping front aspect of rear engine cars. That when I started with cars, it was probably. 64, 65, I started becoming aware of, uh, I was nine years old, I, my parents had these big boring American cars, and then I started seeing little convertibles, MG Midgets, Triumph Spitfires, and I go, oh, this, is, this looks like a lot more fun mm -hmm. than my parents' uh, Bel Air. And, um, and then I saw the, these rear engine uh, cars, and I loved the way the <coughs> nose went down on the front so you could see the road. And that just seemed exciting. And I also did think the idea of a heavy cast iron drive shaft did seem kind of dumb. Why are we putting the engine so far from the wheels that we're trying to push? So it was a combination of those two things that started me uh, favoring the uh, rear engine cars. Sure, right here in the front row. We can hear you without the mic. Yeah. Go ahead, I'll repeat the question. I learned a lot last year at this seminar. I learned that you wrote the soup Nazi and the man purse. <laughs> yes. He wrote the man purse, come on. Which is European. <laughs> it's, it's not a purse. It's anyway, you taught me about the logo for the Alfa Romeo. Would you, would you mind doing that again and tell them all? I know. Uh, are there any Alfisti in the audience? I like Alfa Romeo, yeah. Yes, sir, do you want to explain no. to the young lady? <laughs> okay, well, it's the most fantastic car logo. Uh, ever designed, in my opinion, because it's the most insane. Half of it is that red cross on the left side, and on the right side, it is a serpent eating a baby. <laughs> and I don't know how, if anyone asked anyone else at Alpha, are you sure this is a good idea? <laughs> I mean, we want to sell, you know, more than just in this little valley, you know, to stay in business. We're eliminating parents. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I don't even know how many people have ever stopped to notice. And the fantastic thing is in their new cars, they've maintained this little graphic. It's still a serpent eating a baby. And the baby's screaming. It's like the baby has arms out. Ah! <laughs> the worst market research ever. How about this young man here? Oh, young man. We always have a young man yeah. every year. And I it's this young I man. I love how he's dressed. He's back the third year in a row, right? Ah, he's, getting, okay. he's growing up very nicely. <laughs> Thank you. I was uh, microphone, though. Hold the mic Sorry. Right there. Excuse me. I was wondering, what was your favorite Ferrari that you saw on the show, the cars on 
the cars and comedians and coffee. What is my favorite Ferrari of all the Ferraris that I've... I, there were two that I remember. You mentioned the 288 GTO. I love the 288 GTO. And then you also mentioned the Testarossa. Like the Testarossa, I loved. I love. Again, the engine's in the back, which I favor. And it's closer to your ears. So the sound of it is thrilling. And it's got a stick shift. Uh, I don't think the design of it is, uh, I wouldn't call it one of the more graceful Ferrari designs, which tend to be very flowing and, and, and beautiful. So the design, I think, is a weak point on the car, unfortunately. But the configuration and the driving experience is great. Awesome. For me. Thank you. You're welcome. Guy who looks like me there. Over there. There you go. Um, I, know, I know we talk a lot about the cars on your show, but um, you know, who, who has their favorite coffee? Oh, that, there you go. That, That's oh, a good my question. favorite coffee. I love coffee. I, I don't even mind crappy coffee like with Zach Galifianakis who went to Yum Yum Donuts. <laughs> you know, I, I just love co- I love the experience of having coffee. I realized it took me a long time. I didn't start, like I said, till I was in my 50s. I didn't realize it's about the spoon and the saucer, and I think I'll put a little sugar in, and then I'm going <laughs> to stir it, and then I'm going to try it. and It's a whole ritual. thing. It's yeah. a ritual, yeah. So, But uh, there are many wonderful uh, coffees out there. Sure. Front row, lime green. Uh, yes. Do you find the uh, the younger the guest of yours, uh, the less interest they're in, uh, interested they are in automobiles? And should we be concerned about the next generation's seeming lack of interest in car collecting in general? Um, yeah. I mean, yes. I think they're going to be less interested. But let's not let that spoil our fun. You know, the hell with, <laughs> the hell with these young people. Let, let them find out later on that the phone is boring and getting out in a fantastic open sports car is more fun than any stupid app. There you go. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect note to end on. Mr. Seinfeld, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, all of you. Very nice of you to come. Thank you. That was great. Real quick before we go, if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing... True price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for, for the same car you want And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. 
If you like this show, you need to check out CarCast, the longest-running automotive podcast. CarCast is a twice-weekly automotive show hosted by Adam Carolla, wrestling superstar Bill Goldberg, and Matt the Motorator D'Andrea. It's the only show of its kind that explores all aspects of the automotive space, from the performance aftermarket to new car buying and the future of the automotive industry. The guys answer your questions, offer advice, and feature guests from the automotive industry and celebrity car enthusiasts. Listen to CarCast. With Goldberg and Motorator Matt D'Andrea every Wednesday, and Adam Carolla with the Motorator every Friday on the Podcast One mobile app or iTunes Podcasts.